Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastors Joel and Patricia Gregory complete their Power Pack series entitled Dating Risky Business. Make sure to share this amazing information with your family and friends, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, so now, Dating Risky Business, this is part seven. We're going to talk about wisdom for engagement, okay? Wisdom for engagement. So congratulations, you're engaged, now what? I mean, a lot of people think that now that we're engaged, we have to get married. No, you don't. <laughs> Somebody noticed they didn't. Yeah? <gasps> Believe it or not, the engagement phase is another phase for discovery. Yep. Before the final decision is made. But some people have already allowed family and everybody else to get so involved that they can't turn back on a decision that they made. So we're going to talk first about the decision whether to marry a particular person or not. Let's do a quick review. All of these notes are uh, in the YouVersion Bible app or on the Linked Up Church app. Please follow along. All right. So first, we always want to look at the purpose that God has for your life. Remember, God is always bringing two people together to fulfill his purposes for their lives. That's his primary reason for joining two individuals together so that they can bring uh, glory to him and enjoy him forever. More specifically, they want to see how that's going to play out. God's going to play out in their life, their family, and their careers. I mean, everything in this marriage should be centered around God. That's right. That's right. Uh, and so we don't work our lives around God. How I many know oh, God is our lives? All right. And so then we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. And we're going to look out the role, look at the roles that are laid out here for men and women. And I want to challenge you, especially if you're single in here, but I also want to challenge married couples. Is this the standard that we're trying to live up to? Do you desire to fill your role with the person in question specifically that you have in mind, right? Do you really desire to fulfill God's role in that particular relationship? Do you feel that you can love her sacrificially, the men? Does she feel like she can respect and support him, right? So let's look at that. And we're going to read, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation from Ephesians chapter 5. I'll pick up at verse 22. Uh, and prior to verse 22 is verse 21. How I many know a submission is important to God, Amen. right? And submitting to each other is what makes any relationship healthy. Yes, Lord. Ooh, Ooh y'all still stand up. Everybody stand up. <laughs> They've been standing stand up. up for a while. I know, but they fell asleep on their feet. <laughs> just shake it off. We, I need you to be awake this morning. Just shake it off. Amen. Whatever last week brought, just shake it off. Amen. All right. Now, sit down. Uh -huh. Engage, engage. Yeah. So submitting to each other is really the key to any relationship working, right? Both individuals have to equally be submitted to each other, right? But it's a way that you do that out of their reverence and respect and fear of God. So if you remove the reverence, the respect, and the fear of God, it is so challenging to submit to a human being on earth. All right, so now let's pick it up at verse 22. For wives, this means being supportive to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to the Lord. Notice the assumption here is that you're tenderly devoted to the Lord, right? 
because that is actually how you're going to support him. This is why males and females, you can never discredit the spiritual part of any dating engagement relationship. Because remember, man, she's not going to treat you as she sees you. She's actually going to treat you out of her relationship with the Lord. So however she's treating him is how she is going to treat you. All right, and so verse 23, for the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for the church as the Savior and reviver of the body. So, ladies, in this dating, and now you're in this engagement phase, you're really asking yourself, do I respect his leadership? Right? Do I trust that he's going to lead me to Christ? Do I really believe that I can just give my life to him and everything is going to continue with God the way I believed it's supposed to, right? Because that's the greatest leadership he can provide for you is first spiritual leadership, not his money. Because how many know that gets old when they don't do right? Ooh, yes, Lord. There's a lot of rich fools out there. Right? And so notice, he is the Savior. So, so Savior means redeemer, deliverer. Really, your life is supposed to get better spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially from giving yourself to him. Just like ours did when we gave our lives to Christ. Has anybody been enriched since you gave your life to Christ? No doubt about it, right? Verse 24 says, in the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Notice the language there. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands and everything. So the same way means the way the church is supposed to be devoted to Christ is the same way the wife is supposed to be devoted to the husband, right? But it all rides and depends on what is his leadership like. See, he either makes that difficult or easy for you. How I many know Christ made that easy for us? We love him because he first loved us. His sacrifice was so great, it became easy for us to give him everything that we have. See, a lot of times, guys, if you're not providing a sacrificial style of leadership where she can see that you're never putting yourself before her. And see, that's part of what the decision to get married is all about. You're evaluating way. You are not saying I need him or I need her in my life. You're at this place where you're saying, I'm willing to be what I need to be with him. I'm willing to be what I need to be with her. It's sacrificial on both sides of the stick. The difference here is that he is the one that's charged with the leadership to lay down his life. He's about to read that more for her. But that does not mean, ladies, that he is your servant. Because mind you, you're not, even though God charges us to be like Christ is to the, uh, to the church and the church is to be as unto Christ, we're all imperfect beings. Mm-hmm. So do I love him to enough to cover his weaknesses? Do I love her enough to cover her weaknesses? Because it's in that that you are strong. That's right. It is in that we, we, we have assignments in our relationships. Right. I have, I have a, a group of five, six friends, and I know what each friend's category is about. And I know on, the, on these friends, I can depend on them as far as this is concerned. I trust them all, but they're in their categories, right? 
my husband supersedes them all. Amen. Say that again. <laughs> Say it. No, you're preaching real good right now. No, I'm just my husband supersedes them all. And the category in which each of my friends feel, all of it is in him. But he's still imperfect. But I love him enough to say, you know what? I can deal with those imperfections. Right. He can deal with my imperfections. Lord knows I got a good little number of them. He can deal with my imperfections. <laughs> so what you complained about during the dating phase does not disappear when you get engaged. And it does not get erased when you get married. So you better carefully evaluate those things that get on your nerves, that aggravate you, that irritated you during the dating phase, and know that you love him or her enough to say, you know what? I do anyway. See, engagement is for a different level of evaluation. Ooh, yes. Verse 25 says, and to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives Listen with the, the, the comparison here. With the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. Amen. Now, I need you all to understand this. The picture here is that he left the father, right? No different. The, the man leaves father and mother. Amen. He came to, came to the earth, and he didn't see any sacrifice to beyond or too far beyond reach for his bride all the way to the point of death so, so really guys you're evaluating whether or not this is something that I will give my everything for Thank you for that one amen right there. Boy. And see, we I tripping heard, I off heard, of... That's good, sir. That's good. That, that, that stay right. I heard one of those. Amen. Those God ones. bless you. Yeah, bless you. God heart. bless, bless oh, you. Right? right? The King James, let me go a little further here. The King James uses language like this. He's to nourish and cherish her the same way Christ loves the church or does the church. Let me explain to you what this, what, what this word nourish means. It means to support her growth towards her own maturity. Amen. See, so ladies, what you're evaluating, am I growing spiritually in this relationship? Mm. Say it again, babe. Say it. Okay. Say, can, can say any, it. Can anybody help me in here today? We are in church, aren't we? Right? So, so this word nourish means to support her growth toward her own maturity. So, ladies, you're in this engagement phase evaluating, am I growing spiritually under his leadership? Or am I getting more worldly? All right, let's go a little further here. Nourish and cherish. Cherish, the Greek word here means to warmly care for and attend to. See, see, is he biting your head off, arguing, fighting? Hello, somebody. Or is he warmly and tenderly caring for you? And nurturing you. Come on, and bringing you along. Right? Helping you get better. Right? Improving from wherever you are to where he knows he can take you. All right? Let's keep reading here. Verse 26. To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word. See, the analogy here is when a challenge or a problem arise, 
Will he go to the word for the solution? See, where is he getting his answers from? Godly counsel or buddies at the barbershop? All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church. See, that's all he does for us is designed to make us a mature church. All he should be doing for her is to bring her to a place of spiritual maturity. Amen. And how many know when that's in place, everything else is going to take care of itself? All right, let's keep reading here. All that he does is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, a glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy without fault or flaw. Everything you see, of course, with her is a result of God. But how many of you know it's also a result of me? It's really both. And nothing brings me greater joy than to see her spiritually excelling, financially excelling, intellectually excelling. Every aspect of her life, every time she goes up, she's holy, she's pure. Every time she takes a higher level in him, how many of you know nothing makes me feel better in life than that? Than to see my wife with a smile on her face, well-adjusted in life. Come on, somebody. Pursuing, excelling, going to the next level, wanting more. Nothing makes me feel better than to have a fulfilled bride. Amen. Uh, nothing but ladies saying amen in here. I ain't hearing. I should be hearing a lot of bass in here right now. I'm not hearing any bass. Can I? All the fellas on the count of three. One, two, three. They didn't even want to do that right there. Did you hear that? It, wasn't, it didn't come from like, one more time, fellas, on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Now let me show you the difference. Ladies, on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. All right, let's keep going here. <laughs> Verse 28. Leave so the guys alone. Leave them alone. I'm loving on them right now. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives keeps using this same language, the same way they love and care for their own bodies. Amen. For to love your wife is to love your own self. Amen. So, ladies, in this evaluation phase, do you appreciate and love how he cares for himself? Yes. Yes. Or do you look at him and say, I admire how that man takes care of himself? <laughs> Somebody does, right? Because listen to me, that's exactly the way he's going to take care of you. According to what we just read, that's exactly the way he is going to take care of you. Right? So you can't get upset if he doesn't value certain things in this engagement phase. Right? And think now that we're married, a light is going to click on. And all it of a doesn't. Sudden going to, it, it, never, it, it, doesn't. it doesn't. The ring does not change things. If anything, the ring will make it very, very, it will enlarge it. You will see it face to face. And I would love to chime in on this because, see, God in his word charges the man, the husband, to be sacrificial mm -hmm. in his love for his wife. Women, you have no right to complain about just being submitted. Even wise right now. Your role is to not lay down your life for your husband. We do that automatically. Our bodies are sacrificed for our babies. 
automatically give out of who we are. So it, 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 he doesn't charge us to do that. But he charges us exactly where we're challenged at. God knew what he was making. Amen. He charges us with being submitted. And like I said, what stemmed from the garden perpetuates itself today. Yep. She did not submit to her husband. She was deceived, but he disobeyed. And all too often today, what we find is that she can be combative, she can be resistant, she wants to be in control. Oh, not, not a fella showing up. Oh, don't, don't oh. you say uh-huh. Don't you oh. do that here. Oh, oh not a don't fella, do that. Not don't a fella showing up. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Go ahead, babe. She wants to, and I promise you that's what happened in the garden. Eve was like, but the snake said, and this is what he said, but when you think about and justifying it all in an effort to be in control, combative, come on now, but not submitted. Yeah. And because she would just had that kind of spell on him, he rose up in disobedience. And today, the man, not the men in here are watching on online right now, but the men have challenges with just obeying Christ. Mm. Oftentimes you see that the man just want to, they got to fall, a lot of times just hit their heart, just bust their behind wide open before they finally say, okay, I'm at the end of my rope. Unless there's a divine visitation. Now, not the men in, the, in here. In Jesus' name, you all are sealed with the promise. The blood got you and keeping you. But I promise you, all of you all probably went through your process. Yeah. We all went through our process, but oftentimes the ladies are quick to obey out of just what we think. And the men like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me process this. Let me get this, because he got to get that, you know, obedience, disobedience out of his system mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just yield himself to Christ. But when a man follows God, it makes it so much easier for the woman to follow him. Right, right, right. Excellent. So, so further in this evaluation process, ladies, this is what you're paying attention to. For no one, look at verse 21, no one abuses his own body. 31. So, so, so if, if, he, if getting high is a priority, that's abusive to self. If drinking is a priority, that's self-abuse. So how many know if I abuse myself? Mm. See, and don't overlook this stuff. Don't, don't wink at this. Don't, when we get married, he'll change. All right, so, so no one, watch this, no one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does to church. So when you see a guy that cares for self, it is a strong indication that he will care for you. Right? When he prioritizes his care, right? My mother used to always say, keep your, your nails and your toes and put on lotion and, and iron your clothes. Put on deodorant. Put on deodorant. You are not going to walk out the house looking like that. Come right back in this house. Fix yourself up. 
clean underwear. Clean underwear every day because you don't never turn know them inside out. Clean your room up. Clean your room up. Make your bed up after you get out of it. Right? That's your first success of the day. That's what she used to tell me, right? And so when you make your bed up before you leave the house, you look back and you start your day off successful. Then when you come back home, you come back to peace and tranquility and order and everything is, right? So, so could you imagine if, if I didn't value those things and she did and I just left my underwear wherever I took them off at, just left my shoes wherever I took them off at, just left the bed where the, where the way it was looking. Just, how many of y'all know we probably, I would hurt our coexistence? Is that accurate? Yes, Lord. Right? I would say today I value those things even more because she places so much value on it. So I consider it dishonorable or disrespectful to her if I don't do things the way she keeps the house. All right. No amens from the fellas out there again. It's tough today. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and mother, lovingly hold to his wife. See, leave, cleave, since the two have become... Uh, join in one flesh, and when he leaves and cleaves, it makes it easy for her to submit, as she said. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be vi a vivid example of Christ and the church. See, and this is what we're evaluating. Are we getting ready to bring glory to the kingdom through this, this union? Right? Well, what are we getting ready to do in terms of the world's perception of how it views Christ's relationship to his church? Because our marriage should reflect that. Amen. Everybody clear on that? <clears throat> All right, then verse 33. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself. Can't get away from that. Every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. Okay? We're going to speed it up a little bit now. Also, I want to ask another question here. What do others, those that both of you have been seeking counsel from, under whose authority the relationship has taken place? This is important information. Please do not miss this. Christian friends, family, think about this relationship. See, because er if everyone is telling you something not right about that, the counselors told you that, your parents told you that, come on, somebody. Does it look solid to them? Does the relationship seem to be good for both of you spiritually? Is it glorifying to God? Is it Christ-centered? Never override the authority and the counsel that God's placed over you. So how many of y'all, everyone saw it, but you didn't see it? How many of y'all have a past relationship? Everyone saw that, but somehow you missed it. Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. Uh, don't lie in the house of God. All liars, Revelation says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, burning with fire and brimstone. Raise your hand, right? Everybody said there's something about that. You better watch this. Hey, listen, marriage is not the time to be talking about it's us against the world. If, 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 if your Christian environment is telling you that's a good one. that that's not it, it's not us against the world. Us versus everybody. Now, you need to sit your tail down and say, can us be us together in the midst of this? Don't believe Hollywood. 
See? Then you want to evaluate, is there an affection for this person in my heart and mind? Watch this. Based on the way God has defined biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. That's good. Is that where my affection for them is coming from? Listen to this. This is hopefully a much deeper and godlier assessment than simply asking, am I physically attracted to him or her? Or do we have chemistry? Because how many of y'all know when they are a heathen and treating you like hell, that attraction just, just leaks right out. How I many know the chemistry doesn't seem like it used to be when the other things are not in place? I need a little better amen in here today. All right, so now, what do we know now in terms of how to spend your time and what to talk about? The main concern should be to prepare for marriage. So we're in this engagement phase, and the main concern should be preparing for marriage. And we're going to talk just a little bit about what that looks like for him and for her. So we also want to avoid temptation and to keep in mind that you are not married yet. This is not the time to say we're almost there, right? So let's just go ahead and just we're almost there now. Simply means keeping basically the same constraints on the settings in which you spent time together before you were engaged, right? What does that look like? In other words, you'll spend more time together, but it still should not be alone in each other's homes or apartments. And it does not matter what category of singleness you live in. If you are dating and you're engaged now, you can be engaged to your ex-husband that you're re-marrying. You could be engaged to somebody that y'all both got saved after you probably did to do and committed yourselves. And I'm giving the scenario so that y'all don't find ways to leak it out <laughs> and, and pretend like, well, we about to do it anyway. We did it before. We about to do it anyway. We about to be married in 45 days. No, you are still single until you stand before that pastor and say, I do. So honor and keep in place the same boundaries that you had in place to keep yourselves holy and pure throughout your marriage uh, dating process. All right. So point number one, prepare for marriage. All right. We've got about 15 minutes on that clock. So you want to make good use of your engagement by using it to do more than just prepare for the wedding. Okay. Listen very carefully. Take some time to actually prepare for marriage as well. Get solid biblical premarital counseling. Solid biblical premarital counseling. And this is where you, I'm sorry. Can I add this piece to it? Only if you're going to do what they ask you to do. Don't waste somebody's time for eight weeks, ten weeks. And you've already made up your mind you're going to do what you want to do, do anyway. Do anyway. Right. You can get this from the pastor or whoever <laughs> it is that you respect, whoever does your counseling. Use the time to meditate on marriage as a relationship and as a picture of the way Christ relates to the church. This will be incredibly edifying conversations, Okay. What are the most important things he needs to do? Letter A up underneath that. What are the most important things he needs to do to prepare for marriage? 
He needs to prepare spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, all of these things, okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. Let me just set it up to save myself time. These are Pharisees. Pharisees knew the law frontwards and backwards. So if they are asking a question, they already know the answer to it. So they really don't want to know the answer. They just want to trip Jesus up and find some kind of fault so that they can accuse him to prove that he's not who he said he was, okay? I mean, a lot of people don't want the truth. They just want to ask you questions to try to trip you up, right? Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, the Passion Translation says, the Pharisees were intent on putting Jesus to the test with difficult questions. So they approached him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Notice Jesus didn't answer the question. He just went right back to the, to the Word of God, to the Scripture. He said, haven't you read? Because he already knew they knew the answer to that. He says, haven't you read the Scriptures about creation? Jesus replied, the Creator made us male and female from the very beginning. So if you look at his answer there from the Scripture, it's very telling. He's telling them that there's nothing wrong with what God made. Amen. Right? And in the beginning, he made them male and female. So there's nothing wrong. How I many know marriage is good, and actually God calls it very good. So he's really telling them there's nothing wrong with what I created. It's just the two people that are in it. Right? And this is why you want to evaluate this so well, because we are either encouraging people to get married or we're discouraging them from marriage. Right? And the church should be the greatest source of encouragement to the world as to why people need to get married, stay married, and live the blessed life that God's called them to live. Right? So Jesus replied, the Creator made them, verse 5. And for this reason, a man, so then he gives the solution. He just gives what the solution for success in a good marriage is. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, live with his wife, and the two will become fr uh, one flesh. So he goes back to the beginning to explain to them how this works, right? And so if we'll just stick with the way God originally created this, how I many know it will work the way God designed for it to work? Right, right. If you're going to drive a car, go to the manual and read what the manufacturer said about how the vehicle works and do it exactly the way the manufacturer said. How many know you're going to get longer life out of that vehicle and a more satisfying relationship with that car because you followed the manual, right? And so the manual hasn't changed. A man has to leave his father and mother. No dependence on them whatsoever before he pursues. But there's something that happens between the time that he leaves his father and mother and he pursues. There's something that should be going on in his life, ladies, and don't overlook what I'm getting ready to share with you, okay? He says here, for the two shall be one flesh, they will be united. So what God unites, listen to what he said, let not man divide or divorce, right? And so in this evaluation, you're going into this with an eternal perspective. Amen. Amen. We won't even, I don't think we've ever brought the word divorce up ever in our home. It's not a word that we will even play with. It's not a jokey, jokey moment. It's not a, I'll leave you if you don't get yourself. It's not nothing to play with. How you know? Because God doesn't play with it. Everybody clear on that? Now, let's go to Jeremiah 29, and I'll go through this quickly. 
See, before, when he leaves his father and mother, there's something that should happen in between leaving his father and mother and then pursuing her. That every man needs to go through this season of his life. Now, I cannot stress this enough. Jeremiah 29. Now, to help you see it even more clear, the children of Israel are in disobedience. So, how many know disobedience is going to get us in captivity? Right? And he told them, if you disobey me, then I'm going to cause your enemies to capture you and you'll be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Because he's a gracious guy, he's going to give them a plan to succeed while in captivity. Look at verse 4. We'll pick it up. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it's prophecy, so it's speaking forth the mind and counsel of God, the God of Israel. And I will say this up front, nine and a half, 9.9 out, uh, out of men I've shared this with didn't want to do this. This is what they say is too hard. There's nothing that God called us to do is hard. God will help us fulfill his will. Not only did God, will God help you, the pers- this is why the mind has to be, new- be renewed in the salvation process, babe, because this is what he equipped you for. Built you this way. He built you to do this. It's the flesh and the enemy that's trying to take you through the road of least resistance. So we want- but the road of least resistance involves chaos, turmoil, havoc, Remit- grievance, Disappointment, pain, hurt. Prematurity. Prematurity. God equipped you to live his standard. He's not going to ask you to do anything that you're not only well able to do, but you're well able to do and represent. At a high level. At a high level. At a high level. All right, so let me get through this, and then you're going to have your moment, okay? Jeremiah 29, look at verse 4. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, now notice what he said, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, in captivity, he's only speaking to the men. Do I have any men in this place today? Strong men. Let me show you the difference. Do I have any strong ladies in this house today? Our roar has got to be stronger than their yell. All right, so carried away captain, whom I've caused to be carried away captive. Listen to this. Build houses. A man has to have his own place. She's not on the scene yet. Build houses, watch this now, and dwell in them. That means the house should be livable. (laughs) Something to sit on. A place to eat food. Not just a chair and a PlayStation and a TV. Not just an aluminum chair. What's that? A folding chair, a a big screen TV, and, and video games. The house should be livable. Ladies, this is in your evaluation process. Because you're going to tell us a lot about how you see yourself when you accept less than. Okay? So now watch this. Build a house. Should be, dwellable, uh, should, be, should be livable. Plant a garden. So in an agricultural society, 
What do you think, how do you think that man earns his living? Playing the guard. Playing the guard. So have a job. Which means he should have a career, occupation, or job that can sustain that house that's livable. And eat their fruit. And then don't miss this point. Eat the fruit of that. Every man needs a season of being a successful single. Because remember, that's what he's going to take care of you out of. So if he's never had it, you've compounded his problem and added to it by taking him prematurely. Then look at verse 6. Then take wives. So in this evaluation stage, we may have to stay engaged longer until he can get himself together. I might have the right one, but my timing might be off. Right? And so you want to be patient and wait on him to get out of his mother and father's house, have a place of his own that's livable. He has a career, occupation, or job that can sustain that, and he's eating the fruit of that. And we're going to show you in a moment what eating the fruit of that looks like. Does he have at least 90 days worth of savings in place? Can he pay his bills? Is he robbing from Peter to pay Paul? Do I have any real men in the house today? Let me show you the difference. Where are all the real ladies at? Okay. Then look at verse 6. Then take wives. You see that? Then take wives. You see that? You see the biblical order there? Then take wives. Then take wives. All right? I'm just going to move on so you can get to yours. You compound your challenges in life. When you couldn't take care of yourself, and now you've taken, care, taken on the responsibility of a wife, which is your responsibility, right? And let's just say there are already kids involved. If there are already kids involved, then her kids now become your responsibility. So now you've got a man that couldn't take care of himself, right? If he couldn't take care of himself, he can't take care of her. Now he can't take care of her, can't take care of the kids. Hello, somebody. I mean, now you've got a frustrated man. Right, what is that man going to do when pressure hits him? Fight or, or flight or freeze. The four Fs. Fight, flight, or freeze. Three, that was three. What did I say? You said four. Oh, or fail. <laughs> She's so smooth. Come on, Pastor Tiff. Come on, Pastor Tiff. That'll preach right there, too. That's good. That's good. There you go. What's the most important thing for her? Ah. Yes. We, we, yeah, amen. So, the most important things that she needs to do. Now, understand this. For many of you, you're already married. You're already married online. And you are evaluating and assessing, for a lot of ladies I know, the mistakes you made and what you overlooked. For the men, a lot of times men are thinking about what he might have done and what he could have did better and what he didn't pay attention to, right? You're married now. Guess what? There is a grace and an anointing on you. To please God, and in pleasing God, you will satisfy your spouse. 
and to satisfy your spouse, you will redeem the time, the effort, and the energy over the mistakes that you made. Where sin abounds, grace does abound that much more. Especially if both of you are in Christ. And have a willingness. And have a commitment to love God and to love him or her first as brother and sister in Christ. Just if we just do that and focus on that, that'll solve over 60% of the issue. Because the only in that regards, as far as loving them like uh, loving them like brothers and sisters in Christ, is the sex. And living together. That's the only thing that separates you from the responsibility you have in general to everybody in the body of Christ. Amen. So the most important things that she needs to do, she needs to also prepare spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and even financially. And oftentimes, ladies, you know, there's not a lot to say about what a woman needs to do in order to prepare for marriage in the Bible. Proverbs 31 is a great example. that's, That's the perfect example. And that's a mother telling her son what to look for in a woman. But even there, she uses current wives as examples. But I chose to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Because in many situations, this is where we are today. He starts by saying, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. To your own husbands. So even in the engagement phase, can you submit to him? Can you regard him as leader? Or is he just, you love him and you want him so bad in your life because he's willing to do anything that I ask? Ladies, however, and just be honest, because all of us have been there, met that guy that liked us, but the terms that we use, the words that we use is that he's just too nice. How many of you have, y'all, all y'all lying, if you don't, if your hands don't, you know how I translate that to be, I can just run over him. But there is a woman for that type of a guy. That doesn't necessarily mean that we need a bad boy. Just we, the personality calls for someone that will lead. Because the heart of every woman wants to be able to rest and trust in the leadership of the man that she's attached to. Now, now fellas, you see how the ladies support her when she says something right? Listen, listen. To, look, look, fellas, I want you to see how the ladies support her. When she Leave the guys her. alone. Leave the guys alone. Something. Leave the guys alone. <laughs> he just challenging you. That's the competitor in him. Be good. Be nice. Be nice. Be graceful. So it says, be, <laughs> be in subjection to your own husbands. So men, if she's running around trying to support and be that for every other person, including males, and you see now that you, because you two have been together for so long, she's easy to put you on pause. 
She take girl trips right around your birthday. Try something like that. You try something like that. Try something like that. She half remembers the special things that you greatly invested in. You try something like that. You try something like that. It says here, now mind you, he's writing this to women. This is in that, that during that time, because this is the conversion into Christendom, that many women married were became Christian after they got married. So for those of you that we're speaking to right now, if you're not married, I don't care if you do have an engagement ring on. I don't care if you have a six-carat rock on your finger. You can still get out of it. If he's not born again, bona fide, serving Christian, you can still get out of it. And I'm telling you, your life will be better as a result. All too often, we get engaged, and the plan and the rush and the energy goes into planning the wedding because everyone likes a good party. But the day after can start off being hell on earth if you are not carefully assessing that during this season because you're on the runway now. It says here, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wise. Let's just say they don't have revelation of these things yet. Revelation about, I don't know, long suffering or revelation about, you know, he married me and I still didn't have all the revelation about patience. I mean, I did, but I didn't want to obey it. Is he going to respond to the word of God? Is he going to respond by your diligent example of the word of God? Because it says here that you can win him beyond the word of God. Why? Because you are the word of God personified. That's right. Walking, living epistle. If you are already married, he's saying right here, there's more power on you as you obey God than the word of God that comes out of pastor's mouth. So it does not behoove you to go back and say, well, pastor said, and what pastor said, and what pastor, and pastor Trish said, and pastor Greg, and pastor T.D. Jenks said, and pastor Creflo said, and pastor Joel Osteen said. Don't nobody care about that. He don't care about that. God says that there's more anointing on you and you living diligently before God to transform his mind. Fellas, 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 feel the room. Hey, fellas, hey. feel the room right now. Fellas, feel the room. We got to match that. I'm sorry. While they, it says, while they behold your chaste, what's chaste? Your pure, committed lifestyle coupled with fear, reverence, and respect. I don't care if he's acting a fool. There's something about you that attracted him, yourself to him. There's something about him that you can still honor and respect. God is saying, I don't care if he is a heathen. There's something about him that you can still reverence, honor, and respect because that's what's going to win him. Not your nagging, not your complaining, not your passive-aggressive rebellion. Whose adorning, let it not be with the outward adorning or plating the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. In other words, after a while, what you look like is dull. It fades away because you still look good. But it, it fades a little bit. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. 
even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God says, what I put on you not only came at a great price, but it's worth a great price. Whoever you are, woman of God, whatever you are, beautiful one, whatever you are inside, however God programmed you, he said that he made it with a great price, but he put it in you with a great price. And when you obey him, he understands the sacrifice that it takes for you to obey someone that just ain't right. Yeah, that's good. He says, and for this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, trusted in God more than they trusted their ability to manipulate a situation. Adorn themselves. Thank you. Adorn themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Adorn themselves how? By loving and being obedient to the things of God. And it says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. What did she call him? (laughs) What did did Sarah call Abraham? She called him Bay. (laughs) My my new name is Lord George. Lord Bay. You got to call me Lord Bay. So in other words, even though she called, but what was... (laughs) You stay back there. (laughs) In other words, Sarah acknowledged Abraham as the head. There are many women who are spiritually single. Online, you're married to someone who is not a believer. They believe God. But they're not acting and and conducting themselves in a way that Christian, the, the Bible says Christians should. Right? That did not change God's order in the family. That's right. That did not. So you will still get more with honey than you will with vinegar. That'll preach right there. You can still love him. You can still honor him. I don't care if he's an addict. There might be some adjustments that you have to make in the home, but you can still love him, honor him, and respect him out of the order that you, out of the love that you have and obedience that you have towards Christ. And God will grace you and deal with him because reality is God still loves his daughter and his son more than they even know how to love themselves. It says here, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. What does he mean when he says, and not afraid with any amazement? I looked that up a long, long time ago. Mean that you cannot be moved by what you see. You cannot be moved by what you see. I'm talking to those that are married. For those that are not married, if you are moved by what you see, run! Run, don't get so caught up and so far that I don't care if you did put the deposit down on the dress. I don't care if you did put the deposit down on the venue. I don't care if y'all already tasted 17 cakes and 14 meals. (laughs) The marriage is due to last a lifetime and if he is getting on your last nerve now and you are mad at him because of whatever, and you're in engagement season and you're not talking because of what happened, or you found out that he cheated on y- y'all in the first three months of your dating. Or she done messed around and you find out that she kissed your boy. 
and you're just engaged, back it up. We changed our premarital process because it puts the people, those two people, on the platform. It's not about the preacher going down principles of, of marriage. No, they have to answer 100 questions, dealing with themselves, their history, their involvement, how they feel about one another, how they feel in se separate circumstances and situations, and then it is evaluated by a 5 million test run assessment. Points of responses. It is both psychological and spiritual. And I love it because when we go through all that, some truth is revealed for real, for real. And in that moment, those two people have a decision to make. Can I deal with this for a lifetime or do we need to back up? We have had situations where they said, you know what, we, we're not good for each other. We've had situations where people have said, you know what, let's give this another year. And then we've had too many situations was like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I didn't mean it then. Uh-huh, 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 yeah. March 5th is when we're going to get married. Period. Period. Thank you for that information, but we're doing what we're going to do. So that's what she needs to do in assessing whether she is ready to be what he needs, to, what, what he needs for her to be. Not so much as evaluating will he be everything. Can you be what he needs despite what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Can I cover this? Can I still love this? Can I adapt to this? Because we will naturally adapt. Yes. Uh -huh. We will naturally adapt. So I'm just going to read this. So it's 1134. Okay. So because this is so important, I'm just going to read it. It's in your notes. But I want you to have it. We're just going to close right here. Letter C says, talk about things that you think might be sources of conflict during your marriage. Most people don't think about this, but this is important. You should make an effort to, uh, on your own to address issues that you know exist. How I many people don't tell the counselors everything? But the two of you know what's really going on, right? Mm. So the two of you by yourself should address issues that you know exist. In addition to possibly working through some of those issues early on, the exercise will enhance your communication skills because you will need them. So right during this engagement phase, you want to see whether or not they're willing to adjust and submit and do what you're asking them to do. So you want to do things like get a credit report. All three of them. Right. And we did this, right? When we were engaged, we got our credit reports. We sat down at a restaurant. We went over those, right? And so what I noticed in her is what she had a lot of credit cards, right? So what I asked her to do, I'm seeing if she's willing to adjust. I said, you pay off all of your personal credit card debt. I'll pay off your car loan and your student loan. Because after we're married. After we're married because you need the car to work and your student loan was to help you get a better job in life. So I'll take care of those. You take care of all your personal credit cards. She paid off every single one of her personal credit cards. And how many know my love for her increased because she was demonstrating to me that she valued what I valued because I, I communicated to her we would not live our lives in debt. We, we were not going to look like we have money and be broke. We were not going to live on credit. Hello, somebody. So when she showed me that, it deepened my love for her. And when we got married, I paid off her car and her student loan. So that she came to me 
debt-free because she is my responsibility from day one. And this is what blessed me. This is what blessed me. I know. This is what blessed me. God had already dealt with him about what he needed to do to prepare for his wife. So he was in a position, God told him to save X amount of money, and he was in position already to fulfill that part of where I was lacking. But not only that, again, submitting one to another. When I met him and during most of our dating process, he was a little dude. He was a little guy. About 160. He was about 160 pounds. And he's all a 5'10 and a half, 5'11, right? Now, I've been an athlete, and I've been strong my whole life. I didn't want to have to defend my man. <laughs> you, you wasn't going to have to do that at 160, though. You didn't have to worry about that. Well, I put something on him at 160, 165. So I asked him. He asked me, what can I do? I said, you need to buff up some. True story. That's not the, listen, I'm serious. That's not the time to be nice, and I don't want to hurt his feelings. Right. No, I wanted somebody that looked strong, that was strong. Wanted something to hold on to. Now, he, he and, and you all know that he, uh, he's uh, really cool with Lee Haney. That's when him and Lee Haney got a little too close. Because he came after some months. When I saw him again, he was like this. You couldn't even see my neck. Couldn't see the, But he became what I needed for him to become. Submitting one to another. It's good. Excellent, right? Good information here. You should both also get a health report and a physical report. You need to know past history. It's one thing to say you believe you're healed, but let the doctors confirm. Right? Can you have children? What, what has been said over your life? How I many need to talk about past sexually transmitted diseases? All this stuff needs to be on the table. People shouldn't find out this stuff after you get married. Oh, I thought it was gone. But this and stuff and happens, let me add this. This stuff happens all the time. Got to add this today. So let me just say this. So we both got a health. We got a physical. And Full a physical, physical. And we sat down and we went over it together. Full physical. Full physical. In this day and age, there is a necessity to talk about your sexual past. Amen. I'm not saying you need to go down and, and tell everybody your body count. But if there's been any, you know, any, any bad Because what you don't want is to, to be out one this. day and y'all run into her ex-girlfriend or his ex-boyfriend and there's this weird thing going on and you know inside. Listen, I believe in the redemptive power of Christ. But we need to know. But we, that stuff needs to be discussed. And each person should be empowered with the decision as to whether they can deal with this or not. She needs to ask important questions. Have you ever been with another male? What are your thoughts about that? How do you view that? I need to ask her, have you ever been with another female? What are your thoughts about that? How do you view that? This is not stuff you find out after you're married. And then people see people get married. We have to sit in front of all of us. Then they want to bring other people into the marriage. 
and use scripture to support that and say that the, the Bible says that the mayor's bed is undefiled. So as long as the two of us agree on it, we can do whatever we want to do. How I many know that's not what the Bible says? The Bible calls that adultery. It's real clear, but you see how we'll justify it to make it fit our situation. Blended family. We need to talk about all of this stuff. Well, let's move quicker. Conversations involving the kids and dating. How I many you know you need to talk about criminal history? Our daughter just did a, a background search on somebody, and she was able to find out a whole bunch of information. Now, it wasn't a guy. It was just something that she, a business situation she was looking into, and um, it was amazing what she could find out. Yep. So transparency is the key here. Yes. Don't lie to each other. Amen. Open and honest communications. Number two, prepare for the wedding. The cost of the wedding is her family's responsibility. Oh, if they're not prepared, I'm speaking to the men, if they're not prepared or available, then you do your best. Here's the key. Don't spend all your savings on one day. So Save it so you can begin building your financial future. I got to say this. Ladies, if you've been dreaming of this dress, if you've been dreaming about a kind of venue, if you know your favorite flower, if you know the thing, you should have a savings account going to that effort. If you know your parents. If you're believing God to get married one day, you, even while you're single, listen to me, ladies, single women, you're believing God to get married, eradicate your debt, and build a savings account for your wedding or have a conversation with your family about what they plan to contribute and get to doing what you need to do financially. Yeah. And even if you don't have it, my testimony was I didn't have it, and my father was like, I ain't, I ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> but I had sowed seed into somebody else's wedding some years before, sacrificially, and I told God, this is for my wedding one day. I'm making an investment into my wedding. And let me tell you, there were 2,000 people at my wedding. Each one of them had food. Each one of them had cake. I had a high-end dress. It was not bought by me. The only thing I paid for was his ring and his gift. God blessed me and arranged times and seasons and situations where my wedding was a blessing, not only to us, but to many people. And I know he did that on a precept of us and our diligence to obey him. To the men, you want to try to fulfill what her dreams are. Try here for the ring, for the wedding, and for the honeymoon. Now, the honeymoon's on right? him. Right? So that's on him. So you're listening to her throughout the entire process to get her heart for what her dreams were for that. Remember, if you all get married, right, and say we're going to take a honeymoon a year from now, that's not a honeymoon a year from now. That's, that's a vacation. A vacation. It's a honeymoon after the wedding. So if, if those things are important to her and you're trying to make those things important to you, then you just, you, 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 you allow yourself to be a little bit more patient, right? And what you're demonstrating right out the gate is that your heart is her heart, Amen. right? Because technically, we only should get married one time, right? And if you're out here, don't get in condemnation. If this is your second one, just do the second one right. If it's your third one... Then do the third one right. But here's the thing. Don't let history keep repeating itself. Where one looks like two and two looks like three. Do, does everybody understand? 
So you do your best to fulfill that, right? That was her heart was she wanted to go to Maui. She want, whatever it was, that's what I wanted to fulfill for her so that we start our marriage out on that foot, Amen. right? And so everything that she communicated to me is actually what I saved for and what I did. And number three, we'll just close here, remain accountable, right? This is the toughest phase of the portion is now that you're engaged, still remain accountable. You actually need to be more accountable in the engagement phase than you were in the dating phase, okay? And accountability is a blessing. I want to answer one question publicly that was asked to me out there in the hallway. Someone said, Pastor, isn't that letting a, someone control your life? Uh, it's back a couple of weeks ago when I shared that the pastor told me, the pastor that I was under at that time told me that this wasn't my wife and to shut that down. And I had to explain to this person I wasn't obeying the pastor. I was actually obeying God. You all see the difference? And I knew that if I obeyed God and she was, then God was going to deal with the pastor's heart and bring that all back around. I just wanted to be right before God. Do, do you all see that? And that's all that was. I wasn't letting another man control my life. I was honoring God with that request. And somehow he supernaturally put them in the same space to have a deep, long conversation. And uh, he's on my phone saying, call that girl right now. And, and pick that back up and get that going. So I just wanted to say that. I would never let, I'll, I'll never let a man control me. A man can lead me, but he can never control me. Do you all understand the difference there? Right. I just wanted to say that publicly. And the word of God tells us to seek out God, that there's wisdom in godly counsel. So, so, so I was safe regardless. So if the pastor was wrong, how many know God was going to deal with the pastor? But he was still going to bless me. I was safe. I was in the safe zone because I honored God. Right? Everybody clear on that? And so when you're sitting in front of your pastors and they're giving you instruction, understand what that looks like. Okay? Now, in conclusion, your dating relationship and progression to marriage may look different from some of the practical aspects that we've laid out over these last several weeks. Just keep in mind the core principles of holiness Care for the other person's soul above your own needs and not defrauding one another. Headship and submission are important uh, tools, uh, character qualities that you have to have beginning to play out and being pictured in a godly way for the world to see. Uh, the relationship being played out corporately and under counsel, lack of inappropriate emotional intimacy, no physical intimacy, leaving marriage for marriage, being different from the world, and bringing glory to God. Did you all get anything out of this over these last seven weeks? Now, we, we, because we wanted to close today, we took a few extra minutes, and so we're a little over. So if I can just get everyone to stand to their feet. Let's all just lift our hands to the Father. I just pray that you all take heed. And nothing that we share with you all, we didn't live ourselves. It really came and was birthed out of me as a 22-year-old asking God to teach me how to be a man. I went to a pastor. I went to several people, and no one could really give me what I was looking for. And so I said, I'm going to go straight to God and ask God to teach me how to be a man. And he began to share with me everything that I just shared with you all came out of a four-year study from 22 to 26 where I was just seeking God because I didn't want to be like all the other men. 
uh, in my family, in my neighborhood, and everything else that I was seeing. And so I just pray that just challenges you both men or male and females, and I yes. pray that there'll be a lot of godly marriages and relationships that will birth as a result of it. Will you all help me and join your faith with, my, with ours as a result of that? We are to reflect to the world what Christ is like to the church in our marriages, and it starts in the dating process. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.